1: This is Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from thought leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to address societal topics, and more importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
2: Indeed, that's what we want to do move in exciting new directions and take you with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you are in the right place. And what an exciting topic indeed we have today! Let me get started. The buzz on the street, the DL. It's expensive. Oh, come on. You know what it is. The disabled list, you probably heard that. I had to look it up when I heard it a couple years ago, but now I know. So let's talk. Sports are a big business. Or maybe I should say sports is a big business, depending on what rules you're using. And given the power and the speed we demand of competitive sports today, come on, faster and more, and win that trophy and get there first, it's no surprise that player injuries are rampant there on the rise and the cost is huge how high is it let me give you an example the average cost of soccer player injuries this year 2015 is 12.4 million dollars per team for the world's top four professional soccer leagues that's right that's a lot of moolah for a lot of injuries what if we could lower the cost well let's face it any reduction in injuries would translate it has to translate to significant dollar savings that's a good thing Improve player health, that's an even better thing. And enhance performance, well, that's why we pay to see sports. So that's all a good thing. So there's a key question here. We have technology. It can help with injury prevention. And wouldn't it be great if we could harness that technology to prevent half of all professional sports injuries? As a matter of fact, all sports injuries. But big question on the table. Is this technology reserved for just wealthy or elite athletes? That could be a challenge. We have a panel of three experts from the world of sports, the world of Internet of Things. They know their stuff. They're stepping up to the plate. <laughs> okay, a little sports metaphor there. And we're going to find out what they think and what they see and find out what's really going on here. First up, I'm delighted to welcome back to Game Changers Radio from another series, Corinne Vitolo. She spells her name in case you want to look her up, C-O-R-R-I-N-E, V-I-T-O-L-O. She's the founder and CEO of an interesting company called Smart Sports, and she'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Kareen has sent me for her opening quote, wonderful words of wisdom, kind of harsh but wonderful, from Mikhail Baryshnikov, uh, fondly nicknamed Misha. Anybody trying to remember who he was, who he is? He's a Russian-American dancer, choreographer, ballet dancer born in the Soviet Union, and he is considered alongside of the likes of Rudolf Nureyev as one of the greatest ballet dancers in history. Little sidebar, he started with the Kirov Ballet in Leningrad, Russia, and defected to Canada in 1974 for better opportunities in Western dance, and he received an Academy Award nomination as an actor. I know, this is a Renaissance man for his work (laughs) as Yuri Kopelin in the movie The Turning Point. He also... (laughs) I think we can say this on the air, had a significant role in the final season of the TV series, Sex and the City. Yes, I whispered it. Here's the quote. The more injuries you get, the smarter you get. Corrine Vitolo, welcome. How are you?
3: I'm very well, Bonnie. Thank you for having me back to the show.
2: Well, delighted. uh, We needed some... Yeah, we needed somebody entrenched in the sports business, in the technology aspect. And there you were. I tapped you and said, hey, Kareem, we have a great panel opening for you. And you said, yes, I'll be there. And here you are. Now tell me something. Are you a big fan, a follower of Barishnikov? How did you find this quote? Because it's so perfect. And tell us how it relates to our topic.
3: Absolutely. Well, I was searching for a quote that would be salient to this, and and I think uh, you know certainly as always, Bonnie, your topics are are so on point, And injury at this point, CDC is considering injury, com- sports related injury, is a complete epidemic. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. so it's very timely. And I thought that particular quote. The more injuries you get, the smarter you get relates very well to the improved technologies and tools that are certainly at the professional level of athletes, uh, performance sciences, strategies, things like that, um, that people are trying to apply, whether it's it is a pro team or whether it's a you know, a neighborhood coach or a uh, a children's sport and we're trying to apply these new technologies and tools to of course reduce the number of injuries as well as prevent number of injuries going forward so i thought it was i thought it was a great fit
2: it really is. And and do you think this is what we sometimes call a seeing the glass more than half full or making uh, lemonade, making lemons into lemonade that, hey, you got hurt, but for goodness sake, do something about it and learn from it and grow from it. Is that something you think all athletes should embrace, Corrine, as far as a mantra
3: well, I think absolutely as a mantra, Bonnie, and I think it's going to be a requirement. I think we're going to, ah. uh, yes, uh, there's, there's no question, uh, to remain competitive, to remain relevant, uh, et cetera. I think we're going to see a complete advent of all these new technologies and tools. And and the, the old notion of the natural athlete, I think we are starting to see uh, the requirements going to be
2: that they need to be the smart athlete. I love that. I think those are great words of wisdom. I'm going to have to find a moment to tweet that. Thank you so much, Karine. Always a pleasure to have you here on our show. And let me introduce your first other colleague on the panel. She is Kathleen Stroya. S T R O I A. If you want to look her up, she's a senior VP at the WTA Women's Tennis Association. Another great choice for our panel today. And Kathleen has wisely sent me a quote from Coach John Wooden. We haven't had a coach from a Coach Wooden quote. Boy, that's a mouthful in a long time. And this is great. By the way, a little sidebar. He was nicknamed the Wizard of Westwood as the head coach at UCLA. He won 10 NCAA national championships in the space of 12 years including seven in a row, and that was an unprecedented winning streak. He was also a 5-foot-10-inch guard and the first to be named Basketball All-American three times. So he was playing, then he was coaching, and he was winning all the way through. Here's the wonderful quote from John Wooden. It's the little details that are vital. Little things make big things happen. Kathleen Stroya, welcome. How are you today? Very well, thank you pleasure to Thanks be for with you all this morning oh we're delighted. thank you so much for joining us we're, we're honored actually so tell me are you a big fan of John Wooden and how did you come to pick this quote?
0: okay, I am a big fan of John Wooden and um, I'm staying true to my roots because I am a Purdue graduate, as is John Wooden so mm-hmm. um, oftentimes we put up quotes in the in the training rooms around the world um, inspirational quotes and many of them are John Wooden quotes because he was not not only um a winning coach but he was um he was such a great leader and 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 had such wisdom um that he would impart upon his players. The quote that I chose today um i, I, I selected this quote based on um this is also a philosophy that we have where if to take care of the little things little before they get bigger um that also players can um, um win What John Wooden did with his players is, the first day of practice um, of any season, he gathered his team together and he taught them all how to put on their socks and their shoes properly because he didn't want to. He wanted any prevention, which is what I strongly in any steps we can take toward prevention, um, to never keep an athlete out of a game, and he didn't want to risk them getting blisters. So he took the time at the beginning of every year, the very first practice. To teach how to put on shoes and socks, and that's a little thing, but it resulted in a winning season.
2: That, so that is was oh what I was wow, Kathleen, that's that's amazing. In this day and age, where we're talking tech, high tech, and higher tech innovation disruption. It does get down to the basics, doesn't it? The very, very basics. And talk about bottom line. Is there anything more bottom line than your shoes and your socks? I love it. Thank you so much. And again, we're delighted. And we'll have you uh, a little bit later tell us a little bit about what you do and your vast influence at the WTA. Very honored to have you here. And we're also honored to have our third panelist. Well, he's no stranger to Game Changers Radio. He just jots in and out from time to time. He's always popping in. And we're delighted to welcome back Paneet Supple. And he spells his last name S-U-P-P-A-L if you want to look him up. And he's a member of the Customer Innovation and Strategic Projects team at SAP. And along the sports theme, why not? He has sent me a wonderful quote from Arthur Ashe. By the way, Arthur Ashe, who unfortunately passed away in 1993, was an American world number one professional tennis player who won three Grand Slam titles, ranking him among the best ever in the U.S. A little more sidebar here. He was the first First black tennis player selected to the U.S. Davis Cup team, and the only black player ever to win the singles title at Wimbledon, at the U.S. Open, and the Australian Open. He retired in 1980, ranked number m- world number one, and uh, let's see, and peaked at number two in May 1976. All that good stuff. And on on June 20th, 1993, he was posthumously awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by then U.S. President bill clinton so we remember arthur Ashe. i'm going to cry here's the quote the ideal attitude is to be physically loose and mentally tight more words of wisdom panit supple how are you my friend
4: i am very well thank you so much bonnie and thank you so much for having me back you said keep are. dropping in, but it's only because you want me to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are a wise man. You are a wi- such a welcome guest. Paneet, tell me, are you a big Arthur Ashe fan? And how did you pick this particular quote? Because it seems to really round out what the panel has already provided in terms of inspirational quotes. Talk to me. It, it, yeah, it, it's amazing how these things come together, don't they?
4: Well, Isn't it? Well, uh, to be honest with you, when we first talked about this, maybe – I don't remember what, uh, you know, time, uh, what month it was or what week it was. Maybe it was the U.S. Open going on. Maybe there was some other tennis action going on. And I'm a huge tennis fan. And uh, so I'm very excited. I'd like to even catch up with Kathleen offline to talk about tennis because I was at the WTA finals in Singapore a few weeks ago. But anyway, mm. you know, so the thing is, it's, um, to me, it's, it's, it's a great sport. And, and who, uh, who better than Arthur to look to for inspiration? What an mm-hmm. icon for our country and for the world at large, actually. He's done a lot more beyond tennis, and we don't often talk about that, but his tennis accomplishments, which you have enumerated, are, 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 are simply, you know, uh, amazing. And he certainly is one of the all-time greats. Now, the, about the quote itself. What struck me about the quote is, first of all, I think we have to look at the language in the context in which it was said, because today if you're mm-hmm. watching a tennis match and somebody says, oh, he's getting tight, it usually means he is not going to, right. to close, the, mm-hmm. you know, close the deal, if you will. But I think what Arthur Ashe probably meant here was mentally sharp and mentally focused. And what he meant by physically lose was that really you know, limber and physically very fluid, if you will. And what this... Why this uh, quote struck me was because today as we talk about injuries to sports people, we tend to sometimes just look at things in isolation. But what we really ought to be looking at is comprehensive wellness, if you will. And that is a physical thing and a mental thing, and perhaps sometimes even a matter of the spirit. But let's not go to that realm. (laughs) Even if we just Mm -hmm. focus on the physical and the mental, I think that will be, plenty for us to work on because I think that's what makes up the human being. The, The athlete is not, after all, a robot, right? So both things are very important.
2: Thank goodness. Not yet. Should we say not yet? And you're going to be bringing the IOT perspective to this conversation. Panit. so interesting. Thank you so much for the background. And you and I were chatting just before we went on the air. I saw, and you haven't seen yet, but you know about, Arthur Ashe's brother is also a hero, but behind the scenes. He went to, in the U.S., armed services for a second tour of duty to substitute for Arthur because he knew Arthur had greatness ahead of him, had things to accomplish in the world of tennis, and his brother took his place in war. And I I, I saw the documentary. It is moving. It is a real tearjerker for all the right reasons. If anybody happens to be looking online, I'm sure you can find it somewhere, a documentary about Arthur Ashe and his also hero, unsung hero brother. So there. Now, we all need to talk about something a little bit lighter right now before we dive into, headlong into our roundtable in a few minutes. So, Kareen Vitola, you know what's next? I'm going to circle back to you and ask you where are you calling from? What time of day is it? And what are you drinking today or what are you savoring to saving to savor after the show, Kareen? <laughs>
3: Bonnie as always, I am on the New England seacoast and it is about 10:15 in the morning. So, uh, I am enjoying uh, a perfect fall day. It's a little bit overcast but uh, nonetheless beautiful. And uh, today I have a big glass of uh, fresh squeezed orange juice with me, <laughs> I'm trying, to, trying to absorb as much vitamin C as I
2: can. Uh, so here I am. That's a great idea. D- let me ask you a question. You know, today, when you buy uh, in, in the container, you can get the pulp free or the full, I'll call it the full strength, uh, the high test orange juice. Do you leave the pulp in or do you strain it? Just wondering. I am high octane. I have, ah, I, have, right. I have a, have a concentration. <laughs> My kind of an OJ drinker. You know, Corrine, in, in I probably have spoken to over a thousand people since I started Game Changers Radio for SAP four years ago. You might be the first one to ever mention orange juice. If if not, you're only the second. Amazing talk about setting a record. Mm. And it's so obvious. It's such a great drink. So thank you very much. I'm going to go squeeze some after the show. <laughs> and now let's turn to our newcomer, Kathleen Stroya. Kathleen, where are you today? What time time is it and what are you drinking or planning on
0: I'm in St. Petersburg, Florida in the um home of the WT office and I it's about 10:17 at this time in the morning and I am drinking um I practice what I preach um I always advise the athletes to stay hydrated so I'm drinking sparkling water and um while I I advise them to drink water i like mine with a little sparkle and a twist of lemon for the florida sunshine
2: mm, i love that thank you very much i'm on the east coast too and we so we're all well corinne and i are sharing a little bit of gloomy skies here but we're cheering it up with the orange juice and kathleen's lemon Supple, where are you calling from and what are you imbibing in today
4: well, I'm calling from lovely uh, California. It's promising to be a fabulous day here. The sun is coming up, oh, well, it has come up, but it's sort of um, very early here. Still, so it's a little bit past seven o'clock. And I am, uh, you know, your other panelists are giving me a complex because I am <laughs> sticking to my caffeine fix in the morning. <laughs> so I'm not being as healthy as they are. But anyway, what the heck? If there's, if nothing else, I'm at least consistent. I'm drinking a Sam tea with some ginger in it and uh, you know that's my usual concoction first thing mm-hmm. in
2: the morning it is we know that by now and i have a feeling that you are you are using the words of wisdom from arthur ash which you already quoted on the show i'm guessing you're physically lucid really comfortable and i know you're always mentally tight can we say that about you panitza apple <laughs>
4: Only you, Bonnie, but thank you.
2: Talk about walking the walk and sitting the sit and talking the talk. There you are. We are having too good a time here. We're going to take a quick break and let everybody have a sip of whatever's in front of them. And I'm drinking cool, clear water with a yellow straw. Corrine, I traded my green straw, which used to represent money for a yellow one, because it's been so gloomy here for a couple days. I need a little sunshine in my cup, and it's only water. So the yellow straw reminds me of sunshine and also the zest of the lemon that Kathleen mentioned and there you go. And Panit, I think I'll treat myself to a cup of full-strength coffee later on because I'm ready for a little caffeine. I've been avoiding it all week. Guess what? We're talking today about slicing the cost of sports injuries. How does the conventional athlete become the smart athlete? How does the sports industry... Harness, leverage, promote, and even help to create new technology to rescue people off the DL. We don't want them injured in the first place, but if they are, we want them to recover. <clears throat> the cost has to be pared down to make sports more viable and to give the performance that the fans are clamoring for. I ended a sentence with the word "for." I'm so sorry to those grammarians out there saying, "No, no, no." I'm Bonnie DeGram. We'll be right back, and we're going to dive deep into our roundtable with Corinne. Vitolo, Kathleen Stroya, and Peni Supple. So, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. Justin, out.
1: Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. The world is at an inflection point where we capture more information than ever before and are more interconnected. While this has led to technological breakthroughs where new industries have been created, there are still new areas evolving where billions of people can be reached. All it takes is to unlock the transformative power of technological change to improve people's lives. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how the digital world can lead to a better future for everyone. Meet the Visionary Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at SAP.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Meet the Visionary Game Changers.
2: And indeed, our panelists are visionaries, and they are game changers. Speaking today with Corrine Vitolo, Kathleen Stroya, and Paneet Supple. Corrine is the founder and CEO of Smart Sports. Kathleen Stroya is a senior VP at the WTA Women's Tennis Association. And Paneet Supple works in customer innovation and strategic projects at SAP, and he specializes in Internet of Things. So we do have visionaries here. Corinne Vitolo, let's take a deep breath and dive into our roundtable, and I'm looking at your notes, and I'm going to read a couple statements here and then have you expand, please. You say athlete injuries are considered an urgent epidemic in our society, and I know you're going to talk a little bit about types of injuries, and then let's talk about the economic impact scale, which is really what our topic is today, as well as technology to the rescue. Corrine, please go ahead.
3: Well, thank you again uh Bonnie you know i think i think the it's very important to frame the scale of the issue here and uh athlete injuries are just so rampant uh, again as i had mentioned in our opening uh cdc considers it a complete epidemic uh if if we're looking at they average um about a million and a half uh up to a 4 million range of sports related injuries annually so if we if we're looking at that i mean it really is an enormous problem uh and if you're if you really try to consider the context here uh, even if we look at the pro teams and and elite leagues of course are the foremost focus of the topic so that's that's obviously what gets the most media attention
2: but you know mm-hmm. it's
3: starting to it's starting to extend into you know there are, there are roughly 50 million amateur athletes in the united states alone uh, as well as there are other categories that you know are considered occupational athletes um, you know people in the armed services firefighters etc so the the scale of the issue is is quite severe um you know in if you start looking at the percentage of athletes um you know there's roughly a 10% risk of athletes getting injured uh, at any particular time so you know, I, I, I think it's a I think it's correct to start framing the issue and talking about it and really understanding, you know, where technology has, has given us some advances, um, performance science and strategies that we can start applying to these sorts of things. Uh, you know, as we know, many sports injuries remain either undiagnosed or unreported. So if, if you take that to, to some of the stats that I just cited, uh, you, you really start getting a clear picture of, of how, how severe a problem this is.
2: Thank you very much. Good level set for us, Corrine. Kathleen Stroya at WTA. Kathleen, before you comment, why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do at the WTA and your role as originally a primary health care provider and your role in the sports sciences and medicine and transition staff. Kathleen?
0: Uh, yes um, my uh, my background is in I'm a physical therapist and a an athletic trainer and um, and I started with the tour um, in the field um, treating the players with injuries and um, and then building the programs from there um, with our sports science and medicine department so a, a significant focus of our department is on injury prevention and the application of all the disciplines of sports sciences um, we um, we've progressed over the years as we've, we continue to advance and bring um, state as the advancements both clinically and from an industry standpoint to the sport of tennis. So that's something that we're always watching. What is what's the latest technology? What is, what are where are the advancements? How can we best serve our players and bring them um, to make sure that they have the uh, most excellent services and care. Um, so they can play and successfully play and have a long career. Another aspect of my role is our transitions program and our, ed- which are our education programs. And um, I may dive a little bit deeper into this later. But the um, we have a age adjustability role and a rule in the player development program. And we've um, we've studied the players, what their stresses are. I think um, um, earlier there was a mention about um, about the. Um, not only physical health but also uh, mental and emotional and so we've taken a look at the total athlete and have developed programs to um to work with the total athlete to address um their stressors as they transition onto the tour and then off the tour and with that we've had some great results um so um career longevity is um is always at the you know as the top for us and and the advancements that we've seen in the field, um, technology-wise, whether it's anywhere from screening with athletes to enhancing, um, you know, equipment, um, manufacturing, um, working with the manufacturers to develop, um, you know, in, um, advancements in equipment for the players, um, have all really been effective in, um, in addressing some of our concerns with injury prevention. And allowing our players to perform at their very best.
2: Thank you. Good background. Now, what do you think about the uh, the statement from Corinne Vitolo that injuries are an epidemic; they're urgent, and the scale of cost is huge. Any comments on that, Kathleen?
0: I the um, as far as the um, the with the scale of cost, that's a that's always something that we are um, that we're. Observing at the WTA and that we're watching very closely um, because it does have an impact for on on different levels. Whether it's an impact on um, tournaments, we have worldwide tournaments. Whether it's tournaments or or the league or the individual athlete in the sport of tennis, um, a player um, only you know they only get points and um, pay if they're playing so that's each individual um uh, and that differs from being on a team or in a league so um it's really important for the player to um, um to stay fit to stay healthy to um to be informed to be well educated so they're making um so they're making informed decisions so um that's a, that's a real area of um focus for us um with the WTA um and so you know we're addressing that every single day um, and I know on a broader scale, in discussions with my other colleagues and other sports, um, you, know, um, you know, their injuries are of concern, and many steps are being taken to continue research in those areas, whether it's, um, or whether it's the research that's been done by um, many leagues as well as the NCAA on concussions. Um, which is uh, something that we're hearing a lot about in the news, or for us in our sport, heat illness. Um, you know, so we're really focusing on areas of great concern depending on sports and, um, and uh, continuing to in- advance our knowledge in those areas.
2: Thank you very much. Panit. so much already discussed. What do you have to say about the scope, the epidemic, the cost, anything you want to add?
4: Sure, absolutely. Uh, well, I agree with uh, you know both Corinne and Kathleen on you know what they've said in terms of the cost, let's talk about that for a second because this is also big business, especially in the arena of professional sports. You mentioned a stat earlier about uh, top uh, soccer leagues and um, you know the cost average cost of injuries to them in two thousand and fifteen. It is also you know to add on to that, it is estimated that every soccer team loses. An equivalent, oh, sorry, every year soccer teams lose an equivalent of 10 to 30 percent of player payroll to injuries. That's huge, considering how much money is involved in these uh, professional leagues. So so on the one hand, there is the cost to the teams, which then means there's a cost ultimately that go, you know sort of goes up in every arena that, that has to do with the sport. And then there is the personal cost to the player. And uh, this is their livelihood, right? This is what they do. And for them, it's very, very devastating as well. I mean, I was in South Korea a few months ago, and I met a soccer player who was no longer a professional soccer player. He had been an upcoming star that was, you know, talked about, and he was going to be the next hero. And then there was an injury that sidelined him, and he recovered, but never to the point where he could go back full-time and play professional soccer, and, uh, you know, similar stories we hear over and over again. Earlier in the year, Sean Tate, those of you who follow cricket, know he's one of the fastest bowlers ever, which means like a pitcher in baseball. So what that meant was there was a lot of strain in, certain, you know, in his um, shoulder and arm and so forth. And uh, he actually, you know, said this on TV that, you know, that he wishes that, such technology, that technology had been around a little bit sooner to help them so that uh, they could make informed decisions and they could be more wiser and smarter about how to manage themselves, and he would be less injury prone. So we hope he returns because he's still in the running. But, um, uh, but these stories happen, you know, these. I mean, if you look around in every sport, you have these stories, and uh, it's just a matter of um, recognizing it and finding the focus to start addressing it because it is otherwise an epidemic.
2: Thank you. And and when you think of it from not just from the industry itself, but the fans, oh, it makes a great story for around the water cooler, or we used to call it that, a great sound bite. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? He fell, or she tripped, or they pulled this muscle, or they injured this. We don't want to talk about the athletes who put a firecracker in their pocket and fall on it and lose a finger. That's not what we're talking about, kids. But the sports-related injuries impact The people we want to see on the court, the people we want to see on the field, we want them to be healthy. We want to turn on that TV or pay for a sporting event, whether it's in person or whether it's on a big screen somewhere. We want our heroes to be there. So it's also in our viewable best interest that they stay healthy. Corrine, we've had a lot of additions to the topic from your colleagues on the panel, Kathleen Stroya and Panit Supple. Anything else you want to add about the epidemic and the costs?
3: Uh, well, certainly, I think the economic impact is, and and Pnip absolutely raised a great point. They're um, they're defined cost, right? There are economic impacts to to the leagues, to the sports business itself, uh, as well as to the player. So, uh, you know, those of those, of course, are very different types of costs. But, uh, you know, I mean, I think we also need to consider, Bonnie, the, the frequency of play at at some of the professional levels. Uh, as both my colleagues here have, have focused on tennis, I'll, I'll introduce a few other um, perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're looking at Major League Baseball, for instance, their frequency of play is enormous. At uh, Each team plays 162 games per season. So, if you if you start looking at that in terms of of scale, it it, it becomes even more uh, of a pressing issue. Uh, whereas, you know, I think it's across the board, though as well. You can argue that the the National Football League with their sixteen games a year uh, just because of the nature of the sport is is so much more physical that the, the their ratio of inju- uh, injuries are are just as critical so I, I think from the economic standpoint as as the sports business becomes more competitive uh, as as viewers as teams as leagues as broadcasters are all fighting for as you mentioned the ever important fan and mm-hmm. the ever important right uh, you know keeping their business models intact and keeping their numbers up that reverberates you know everywhere from economies of scale uh, all the way into their sponsorships right so so keeping players healthy and and starting to address some of these injury epidemics as best we can with advanced technologies, with new methodologies, as as Kathleen said, with new di- different disciplines, um, certainly on the prediction, on the prevention, um, diagnosis, and prescriptions are are
2: all absolutely critical in in trying to address the issue. Thank you very much. And I want to move to some topics from the notes that Kathleen Stroyer sent me before the show. Kathleen, let's talk about uh, preparing athletes. And I think this is something that it may or may not involve technology, but I think it will be of interest to our listeners. You talk about applying the developmental stages and preparing the athlete for career satisfaction, health, and longevity, and something very telling in your notes. You talk about too much too soon can be costly. So when you see young tennis players, players coming up through the ranks, is there a way to help them get on literally the right foot for a long and healthy career and avoid injuries in the first place, or to use technology to help them avoid injuries? Kathleen, what do you observe?
0: Um, Yes, um, we have uh, 20 years of, um, of truly studying this issue. Um, at the WTA and, um, our observations are all of that. There are definitely, um, uh, practices that we've put in place and I'll share with you our results in a moment and also, um, applying the new technologies in the field that, um, allow us to continue to, um, to introduce, um, new ways of training, et cetera, to the players. So, um, we're dedicated to staying, um, to continuing our studies in this area and uh, and applying it to the information that we provide to the players and the services. Um, our player development program, our age eligibility rule, we conducted a review back in 1994. And, again, um, uh, we reviewed it again in 2004, so we had a 10-year review, and we are actually in the process now of a 20-year review. Um, but we studied what are the stressors of the tour, and we, we asked the question, are the players um, leaving the game um, too early? Are we seeing are we seeing um, premature retirements with the players? And we define that as leaving the game before the age of 21. Um, mm. And so we put a panel together of um, sports science and medicine experts from um, from around the world, and um, and we um, surveyed um, the we surveyed everybody in the tennis arena, the players, coaches, agents. Um, um, you know, administrators, and, um, and also um, took a look at our literature, what was out there, what could we learn about developmental phases, and, um, and then studied our, the stressors of the tour. And we learned that, um, we, what we learned was that, and then we put, based on that, we learned that players starting at too young of an age, they were leaving the game earlier. The l- earlier they started, the earlier they left. Um, the game. And um, a lot of that was the players transitioning. They just really were not ready to enter a professional arena or an adult environment um, as they were still adolescents. Um, so we had a phased in approach to their play. So that allowed the players to phase in and play um, um, from the ages of 14 through 18 until they got to 18. They could not play a full schedule um As a professional athlete, but it allowed them to for their game to develop and for them to develop and mature um and enter the world in a phased in approach um we also um We also developed education programs for the players, which are player development programs, and each of them addressed what we I, the athletes identified as the stressors um For the players, and so these player, these education programs empowered the athlete, um, educated the players and their teams, um, to, um, to better perform in the environment, to have, to be equipped, um, in a professional arena. Um, and so over a 10 year period of time, we saw a seven, we saw, um, a decrease of premature retirements go from seven percent to one, to less than one percent. And we saw a, um, a significant increase, a 43% increase in career longevity. So our players have an average of a 15 year career, um, with the WTA. So, um, you know, and, and the players over 90% of the, um, of the, um, of the, um, individuals that we interviewed stated that the programs were effective and, um, and that they should remain in place. As well as the rule, so um, we've continued to enhance those programs, but the, that's been our result. And um, and to the re, the end result that we're seeing now is that we have players who are playing, um, you know, have eighteen year careers, um, nineteen year, twenty year careers who have been in arena for that long, who are now you know young adults, and they are actually at the top of their game. So they're enjoying a long career. They're healthy, and they are at, and they are performing at their optimum
2: level. They're at the very top of their game. Very impressive. Very impressive. Uh, any particular use of technology for this, Kathleen? Any sensors are used? Anything in turn, or is this a lot of it? Uh, general health preparation. Is it um, psychological? What? Uh, just give us a clue. What? What? What are the basic tools you use when you study this to help them have longer careers and play longer? Yep.
0: Well, we have – there's a there are a couple of prongs to this program. So part of it is education and its orientation to the tour and then how to, um, you know, maximize the services or how to be um, – Or they learn about, you know, the financial area or um, – and they also have an introduction to the tour. So um, we have – some is um, electronic um, – where we have online programming and education, so but then, in our sports sciences and medicine department, which is the base that we built the entire um, player development program on it was really the six disciplines of sports sciences and sports medicine, and so everything that we applied to our programs has a thread of um, the developmental stages, so what's happening um, developmentally throughout an athlete's psychological you know phase their their cognitive. Development, their psychological development, their physical development. And so each program is pitched at the developmental phases. And then, and then where technology comes in is, um, not, not only do we have a mix of our online education, but, um, we have, um, we, our players all go through each of the player development players when they enter the tour. And then every year after that, um, go through a physical screening examination. We also do stroke analysis. So, um, and we've, um, and we apply um, some of the sensors with that stroke analysis. Um, we also, um, you know, so advance, we continue to bring advancements from the medical arena into our, um, you know, to, to what we're doing with the athletes and, and um, you know, continue to test different, different applications. Um, and, and identify, like right now we're looking at, uh, pulse oximeter by Massimo to identify Mm. is that, how, how is that applied from the, you know, it's, it's very, um, much used in the medical arena and how does that apply to now the sports arena? But there are many different, um, technologies that we're bringing into our, into, um, either our screening or treating our athletes because we have tournaments worldwide. So we, I think we've been in, involved with telehealth now for 25 years, but, um, you know, now there are many more advancements to telehealth. So um, that's, that's critical for us. Um, but everything is really our focus is prevention with our athletes, our screening, their recovery, et cetera.
2: Thank you so much, Kathleen. Great overview. Panit, you're our IoT specialist today. What do you think about everything Kathleen shared with us, the use of technology in preventive and in training and in career longevity?
4: Well, you know, first of all, let me comment on something Kathleen just said because it reminded me of a conversation I had with a professor who teaches at the Konkuk University in Seoul, Korea, He's also done, his name is Professor Kim Jin Yu, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name. He's done a lot of work with the University of Pittsburgh as well, and there was an interesting conversation that I had with him, and he said he notices a lot of this has to do with not you know, um, informing and educating young athletes about proper technique, and he mm-hmm. says a lot of that is preventable. And he even talked interestingly about gender differences. So he focuses a lot on women's soccer teams. And he's, I, said, I said, educate me. And he says, you know, the way we fall is different, right? We as in men and women, there just happens to be a little, slight difference there. The way we move, there's, there's, there's a difference. So all of that places different kinds of stress on the bodies, depending on whether you're male or female. And we just have to coach the athlete about proper technique, about everything that they do. And if we can catch that at a very early age, we are going to have players who can, you know, have very long, healthy careers and very satisfying and rewarding ones. So going back to about catching things early, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, very uh, pleased to hear the efforts that the WTA has put into it because, of course, as I said, tennis is a great sport. For me, at least, I'm a big fan now, mm-hmm. you know, talking about IoT, we can talk about technology in a, in many different ways. And it's we can talk about, you know, when we talk about IoT, people have this view or this, you know, this image of a lot of sensors and, you know, sensors talking to sensors and somehow the data magically providing some answers. All of that is fine. And, you know, if you look around, there has been a proliferation of many, um, you know, entities out there who provide um, these kind of solutions, or point solutions, as I like to call them, and there are some that can monitor vital signs, others can monitor the muscle strain, some can monitor you know your overall you know heart condition and there are many different aspects that can be monitored depending on where the wearable goes and wearable, as we all know, is the new fad if you will it 's not really a fad because it 's going to become a huge deal. There is an estimate that in the next uh, several years, there's going to have several million wearables that people are going to use for, for health reasons. But even in sports now, as some sports are beginning to allow um, athletes to wear them, even during games, but mostly I think we still focus on the training side. We collect all this data. The thing is, at the end of the day, if you're going to help an individual player, you need something that's that provides you an insight into his or her specific condition or their state of well-being if you will because like i said earlier athletes are not robots you one size will never fit all never and it should never even be attempted and um, whether it's a professional athlete or whether it is somebody who is in their you know early stages of their career or even you know maybe in the juniors or even if they're in college or high school, if we can take the technology and go all the way down to the earliest possible stage and make sense of it, and that's where I see an opportunity for us in our generation, people who are sitting around today in in Silicon Valley and elsewhere in the world looking at things, we need to figure out the right approach that pulls together all these different uh, sources of data and all these, you know, whatever these sensors generate. How can we make good sense of it and introduce the ability to predict to some extent the likelihood that certain activity can lead to certain kind of strain because you know no two individuals will respond to stress the same way i in, i mean in general, yes, but specifically no, because they are individuals and they handle it differently mentally and physically. So what we so that's where I see, from a technology perspective, the challenge is for us to take these many different factors that go into um, bringing about injury. And by the way, it is a multifactorial problem. I think there's quite a bit of literature out there as well. And even talking to others, and perhaps Kathleen or Corinne can confirm this as well from their experience, there is no one thing that leads to a certain injury. There is a number of factors that is usually involved. And, uh, and I'm talking not about you know, somebody getting hit on the field. I'm talking about, like, a strain that develops or some other injury that was waiting to happen and then sort of surfaces. So to handle all that individually and to track and monitor and then make some sense out of it and be able to have an intervention to prevent the injury before it actually occurs is our challenge today. And, um, and that's where technology needs to stay focused on.
2: Thank you very much, Panit. A lot of good information here. Corrine, love to have you chime in, and Kathleen as well. But first, Corrine, to the, the question that Panit posed.
3: Well, certainly I think Panit raised a few a really great points there. And, and um, I, I'm in complete agreement. I think one of the challenges in this space is that technology and the advances in these sorts of technologies has completely eclipsed um, what what is happening at a, a team, a league, a policy um, level, and and I think as he mentioned here, that it is going to require a, a large scale initiative uh, between the the stakeholders here, whether it's the the athletic trainers, um, the coaches, the the players' unions themselves. Um, you know, certainly we're able to track and measure more data, uh, everything from nutrition to movement to sleep, at this point, and and aggregating all of those great points and these factors give us some very very deep insights. Um, Bonnie, one of the interesting things that we're starting to see here, and I can, you know, I, I know we've had a separate show on the technologies that are impacting and and coming to play into injury prevention and diagnosis. I mean, some of the some of the overseas, the Olympics, um, some of the soccer leagues, et cetera, are going as as uh, advanced into technologies as DNA testing. Um, you know, certainly there are uh, eight or nine genetic variations. That impact uh, athletic endurance, speed. Uh, you know, the, you can absolutely tell uh, if if an athlete is prone or susceptible to either tendon or ligament injuries. So, if if you start going deep down that hole and really understanding the amount of data that can be compiled, uh, certainly to Puneet's point here, you're starting to see very comprehensive profiles of athletes. So, in in so far as Involving each of these stakeholders to come up with preventative strategies, with performance science, preventions, and things like that, uh, it, it's it's going to be an evolution in thinking. There's no question. I mean, I think everybody shares the 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 want and the need of preventing injury. Um, certainly, we're not able to do that at at uh, as we had talked about the the sudden injuries on the field, say a concussion or such, uh, mm-hmm. as opposed to some of the gradual injuries which would involve you know repetitive strain or 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 things like that that have been ongoing and and slowly surfacing in that particular athlete Um, you know some of the technologies that are that are very interesting that are coming across uh, up through the pipeline uh, and, you know, and we had talked about the economic aspect of this. Certainly, in in the scope of the of, of the elite athlete in the pro leagues, and you know, we're going to see that trickle down to the consumer, to the to the amateur athletes themselves. Uh, for instance, uh, there's there's a company called Performance Sports Group that's supposed to be um, unveiling a actually con, a concussion prevention device next week. Prevention. So, hmm. you know, we're starting to see all sorts of activities within the, the, the sphere of technology. Uh, certainly, as Kathleen mentioned, in, in the sphere of, of the training and the, the personalized um, medicines and, and education programs for these athletes. Uh, and, and agreeably, certainly uh, across the board, as we aggregate this, we, we need to become smarter as, as stakeholders in this process and do what we can to address what is considered an epidemic at this point.
2: Thank you. And, and I want to just make a comment, listening to my three wonderful panelists, you're all so smart and savvy, and I, I think what we're establishing here is that injuries are going to happen, that there is technology in place that can be developed further, but more important, I'm hearing the human side, we care. We want to prevent injuries. We want to help athletes not only, Kathleen, have long and healthy careers. We want them to succeed and get paid, as you say. You don't show up, you don't play, you don't get points, you don't get paid in tennis. We want them to do it in a healthy way. So there is research, there is science behind this, and we're trying as a society to make it better. And I think that's one of the biggest messages I'm getting from the three of you is that people care about getting rid of this epidemic about slowing it down and eventually hopefully doing away with it the preventive really preventing concussions wouldn't that be great by the way i have to do a shout out to some of our tweeters we've got dean Pappas. he surfaces oh every week or two or a couple weeks on a show and tweets his his fingers off and one quick comment we don't have time to address it because we're ready for our predictions round but he says cycling contains the most telemetry rich data second only to f1 racing but the data is still hard to interpret thank you very much for that and always glad to see you here Dean and Patrick Heffernan I think he's still with TBR he has retweeted my quote that Panit said uh, health wearables are a big deal for all of us more coming in the near future so thank you and we've got Karen Geraldo tweeting and we've got John Ward and we have Panit you're talking and tweeting at the same time so thank you very much we appreciate that (laughs) guess what I'm circling back we're just about out of time Corrine Vitolo I can give you exactly one minute that's 60 seconds for your predictions going down the road in ahead on the horizon the future what do you predict will be different what will change about technology for sports injury prevention let's say the year 2020 or any time before that i want to keep the time frame very tight kareen 60 seconds predictions go well, Bonnie, I think we're
3: going to see an increase in, in a lot of the uh, sources of intelligence here, such as biosciences, um, monitoring the physicals, um, you know, in, in capturing this data. I think we're going to see a lot of these things translate into um, into increased uh, capacities for equipment. Uh, I think material science is going to, to start to adapt as well. Uh, for example, changing and Im- improving the surfaces on which athletes play these games uh, can actually reduce injuries. So I think we're going to see across the board, uh, we're going to see some ancillary um, development of technologies that are, are going to expand from the wearables perspective, of course, like I said, more into the bioscience, um, certainly into the physical aspects. Uh, as I had mentioned before, genetic screenings, I think, are going to become an increased um, in, in, increasing across the board here in their importance and uh, and
2: in developing the, the science and strategies for athletes to stay safe. Thank you very much. 60 seconds predictions for Kathleen Stroya. Go ahead, Kathleen, real tight. Well,
0: Okay, I went to outer space because I think we've learned so much from our studies in outer space, and I, I predict that tennis will be the first play, sport played on Mars. Um, There's decreased gravity, so we're going to see fewer injuries with the ground reaction force. And you could um, jump up to three times higher. So it's going to be a more exciting game, and we'll
2: see a lot more aces. Wow, that's got to be one of the most exciting predictions we've ever had here on our shows. Thank you. Tennis will be the first sport on Mars. That's a tweetable moment. I'm going to take care of that after the show. Paneet Supple, we have, oh, exactly 60 seconds for you. How far in the future, and what do you predict?
4: Well I'm going to use up a few seconds to ask Kathleen to make sure I have tickets to that first game on Mars. <laughs> <laughs> but,
2: I want to it. go too. And I'm afraid of flying, but that's something I Bene, you can hold my hand on the plane, okay? Or the spaceship, oh, guess, whatever.
4: Yeah, with, with pleasure, Bonnie. But thank you, you know, my really, dear, go but, ahead. On the IoT front, <laughs> let's let's look at what's happening in the world today. We are at a crossroads where technology is really you know, becoming very, very important in the whole arena of personalized medicine. Why should that personalized medicine approach not be used for personalized well-being and and wellness of athletes? That is, I think, because of the advances you're making on the other side, I think it is going to have a tremendous impact on sports. I mean, we are able to monitor equipment in remote places. We are able to manage patient-doctor relationships through sensors and devices. This is just the next step in the evolution. I mean, for healthcare, let's think about this. In the next two years, one study says that there will be 80 million wearable health devices, right? And now this is in the larger realm of everything that we talk about devices and Internet of Things. That is a mind-boggling number. And if we are going to have people walk around doing things and have these wearables on them, think of what we can do with um, athletes where we can, you know, approach it in a very organized and orchestrated manner. I think the future is very, very bright with the use of technology to help prevent injuries and uh, improve the playing life of athletes and improve the sports in general. The world can indeed be a better place.
2: Thank you. And isn't that what we're really talking about, the world mm-hmm. to be a better place? That would sum it up very, very nicely. Kareen Vitolo, such a pleasure to welcome you back. Kathleen Stroya, so happy to meet you. Thank you so much for joining us and all of your wonderful research and great background. Panit Sepulv, I'm on my way to Mars with you, kiddo. We'll have to get our tickets at the mm-hmm. same time. I don't know. We'll do that. Kathleen will meet us there and she'll give us the tour. Corrine, you can come along too as well. I want to do a shout out. I already did to all of our wonderful tweeters. You know who you are. Thank you so much. And to Justin at World Talk Radio for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And a shout out to Ryan and all of the other people at World Talk Radio. We work so hard with to make these shows happen. I'm Bonnie D. Graham and here is my call to action. You know what I'm going to say. Fasten your seatbelt, even if you're just sitting on the sidelines watching a dangerous sport. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Have a great one. Bye-bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Meet the Visionary Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.